Welcome to the Startup Operator Podcast. I'm Roshan Karyappa. The Olas and Swiggies of the world have completely revolutionized consumer experience, but banking applications are yet to catch up on that front. My guest today is Ankur Joshi, who is the founder and CEO of Nuclei that strives to deliver this consumer tech DNA to banks. Ankur has had an interesting journey thus far. He has been an investment banker, restauranter, pharma entrepreneur, and in this current avatar as a fintech entrepreneur, he's working with banks across India, Southeast Asia, and the Middle East. We centered our discussion around the various nuances of building and selling to banks, and of course, the related nuances of running a startup. This was an interesting conversation, and I certainly enjoyed it, as I'm sure you will too. So let's jump into this episode of The Startup Operator with Ankur Joshi of Nuclei. Hey, Ankur, welcome to the Startup Operator Podcast. Thank you so much for making the time. Of course, man. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure to be here. So, Ankur, you've had a fascinating ride so far, right? I mean, it's very diverse experience from what I can see. You've inhabited various worlds, right? From investment banking to the food business, restaurant business, to building a pharma marketplace, to now being a fintech entrepreneur with the Nuclei, right? So, I wonder if you can take us through your decision making. What are some principles you use to decide if something is worth committing to or not? Actually, very deep question. And the answer to this has obviously changed over the years on the basis of my own experience, the mistakes that you made. But today, having gone through a lot of ups and downs and having committed a lot of mistakes, some of the things that we learned were very, in, in hindsight, they seem very obvious. But uh, it took us, took at least took me some time to learn those things. And one of that was just being honest with myself. That was something which I was not doing. And that also was forcing me to not be honest with a lot of other people, including my co-founders, right? And when I talk about this honesty, I'm not talking about any, like, it's very, very simple things that I do. I, like, 10 years back, I did not want to confront my co-founders because I was valuing the friendship over the honesty, which was required to run the business, right? So they, these small, 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 small things, you know, compounded and that stress, you know, just went through the roof. That learning was very crucial in terms of how I have grown and how we have built Nuclei. So at Nuclei, we encourage, and I'm not saying we are 100% there, but at least initial people who started Nuclei, this clarity was there that we are not going to hide in terms of our frustrations or stresses with, from each other. So if there is anything which we don't like about the other, we are going to bring it out in the open and we are going to openly discuss it so that there is no long-term stress which gets built up right and these small stresses i mean if you, if you think about a material right so all the stress points they add up and then eventually the material fails and yeah. that's true for every relationship as well that was one key learning which i had from my restaurant days right so the other thing was till date we have always been thinking small if i may put it like that so the restaurant business, we were thinking of, we were dreaming of building a McDonald's, hmm. but that was only a dream. In action, we were not doing anything, you know, remotely, you know, possible to reach that level. We were only thinking very, very small. We were not thinking big. Even with the pharma business, I was thinking small. Uh, this time around, we were very clear that we have to build something which is slightly larger, more diverse, more hedged, and you know, therefore global in nature. And that drove a lot of decision-making, that one single thing drove a lot of decisions, which resulted in where, what we are building, how we are building it. Building global required us to think about industries which can grow globally in a homogeneous way. We were also sure that we don't want to raise money 
we want to build a sustainable business and only then you know take money to expand the business or grow the business but initially we did not want to raise funds we wanted to see if this idea works or not if this if there is product market fit or not so that also drove our decision in terms of not building a b2c business but a b2b maybe a b2b2c business or a b2b2b business right so our distribution channel was going to be b2b and then we thought about industries which were horizontal and which were homogeneous across the globe and then industries like banks or telecom or insurance those were the industries we were thinking about those were the industries we approached and then built up products for them right so the idea was very clear that we wanted to think big we wanted to grow globally we wanted to hedge our way or diversify across multiple economies and not just focus on, on a single economy and then also diversify across multiple industries therefore building something big building something more sustainable and building something which is more diverse and therefore automatically becomes sustainable so again there are a lot more you know guidelines or you can call them thumb rules which we followed and very some some were very strategic for example you know diversifying across industries some were very tactical like build a product which targets customers or clients revenue don't build a product which reduces their cost because mm-hmm. it is much easier to sell something which helps them grow their revenue grow their business rather than it becomes 10x more difficult to sell something which reduces their cost. so all those like smaller aspects which are tactical in nature were also there but broadly these were the two three guidelines which we followed and obviously awesome. on the basis of the learnings which we have had yeah awesome that's like a very good opening for me to delve into plenty of these aspects right and i think one thing that you brought up is super important which is the whole be true to yourself aspect right, right. I, i think richard feynman uh, said it you know the first principle is that you must not fool yourself and you are the easiest person to fool right and often times i mean founders shy away from having these difficult conversations with uh, each other uh, but right. that really like builds up right that frustration really builds up because when you're building a startup you're working with these people almost 24/7 you know very confined setting and you run into each other you know countless times a day and you have to build this amazing thing which is super stressful as well right so and, and the aspect of marrying hustle to vision right and truly thinking big uh, that you spoke about you mentioned a few of the choices that it translated into right in terms of you know what market you pick what kind of business model and so on can can you just dive li- little deeper in that and explain today like what nuclear does right i mean mm-hmm. what are the aspects of thinking big and building sustainably translate into everyday choices at nuclear absolutely so i'll probably go three years back and then you know uh, sure. tell you a bit of a background as well so when we were starting nuclear we decided that we will not raise funds right so to remain sustainable we had to you know start generating revenue as soon as possible and as i told you earlier we were thinking about banking telcos and insurance as industries we were going to target so we went around across middle east south south asia as well as you know southeast asia met a lot of bankers telcos and insurance and this was like literally going and sitting in jakarta pinging people for meetings and probably getting one meeting out of 10 attempts right probably even more right so you are continuously you know chasing people to give you a meeting you go to a meeting probably tell them what your idea of building a business is and this is when no one knows what nuclear is in fact nuclear was not even registered then so there was nothing called nuclear you were just going there Uh, someone who has not been in that country ever before they did not know us they were just you know trying to explore that okay fine you might have certain Uh, new ideas we want to discuss with you and therefore you know how can we help you a lot of times we were we got rebuffed there was not much interest in 
the first initial idea which we were trying to build out right but then we picked up items from different banks from different bankers from different telcos in terms of what are the problems that they are facing and how can we help them and that's when we decided that you know from a digital store or digital layer perspective interface perspective there are things which get built on top of banks own apis and then there are things which get built up on top of third party apis and that's something which we saw that a lot of banks and i'm specifically talking about banks because i'll tell you, i'll come back to that later they struggle with integrating these third party apis then creating the front end customer experience and therefore delivering the service or a product to their customers and that was something which we thought this is where we can add value we can integrate the apis bundle all of those categories together and deliver a standardized product to all the banks across geographies why we chose banks was very simple they were the only ones who were ready to pay us upfront money so that you know we can pay salaries or you know sustainably run the business so that's something which we started doing that and we have been then only targeting banks and now we are in the process after 3 years nearly 3 years into diversifying across maybe telcos and going and pitching to them multiple products generally speaking it has been a journey where we have built along with the banks a lot of banks have come back to us and you know advise that this is a merchant or this is an api which you should integrate and build a category for then we went ahead and built that category and delivered that product to them a lot of these sales uh, have taken and generally the sales cycle in enterprises fairly long and it becomes longer when again no one knows you right so uh, then bringing in external credibility via say a partnership with mastercard or partnership with the microsoft that obviously helps and that's what we ended up doing in the first year or so that we partnered with mastercard went through the start path program that lent us some credibility at least you know banks started knowing us that okay you are part of that program so there is some credibility associated and that also helped in you know selling to a lot of banks so the promise of nuclear is to deliver consumer tech dna to banks right Correct. what does it mean if you look at today's customer and when they interact with a lot of tech companies or their apps whether it is say a paytm or a phone pay or a wechat or an amazon or a kareem or uber the experience is very very seamless at the same time if you look at all the banking apps the experience is nowhere near Dreadful. that level right and that's where we thought that if this gap you know continues to remain this big over years then essentially the banks will get disintermediated this these companies will have enough distribution and trust built up in 5 to 10 years and then they will start offering financial services and in which case banks will essentially just remain pipes right that is now turning out to be true why because if you look at all the companies all the you know big tech companies offering financial service whether it is google or facebook or paytm or phone pay right so all of them are now offering financial services all of them want to engage with their customers across the complete spectrum banks needed to bridge this gap and that's where we thought that we could help the banks deliver a experience which is at par with the various tech companies and therefore the consumer tech dna which we deliver to banks so one of the products which we started with was going to partially have an impact we always were clear that we will also diversify along with the industry and geographies also diversify across products so that has also grown over a period of time we started with a marketplace now we have a subscription product we have a card stack product we are now building a couple of more products which will again help the banks engage with their customers better and deliver that consumer tech dna to them have a seamless experience across multiple aspects so whether it is on their b2b side engaging with banks own merchants and their merchant acquiring team 
or having an interface with the customers and enabling them to you know uh, have an enriched experience on the banking app so if i understand correctly like the banking layer for merchants and then the product and service layer for banks basically right so correct correct right. so what are some common use cases that you see so i'll describe new product which we have built we're calling it arise essentially think of costco in us what it does it charges you a commission and then a variety of physical products which come to you at a discounted price right if you look at their business model their renewal rate is probably 97 98% for a subscription with a 97 98% renewal rates that is insane rate right like even netflix will not have that higher rate so costco's business model has been the same for decades we thought about why like this is a service which is there for physical goods why can't we build something which is similar but for digital goods right so you do a lot of transactions digitally can we take can we bundle all of them together and create a digital costco for you where you pay a single commission or single membership fee and then get all these digital services whether it is you know your flight booking your software purchases your online purchases e-commerce purchases or your utility payments even your you know local food ordering or cab booking services right all of these now come at a discounted rate to you so that's a product which we have now built we are delivering it to a bank in middle east and now that's that's the same product which we are now expanding across telcos in other markets so that's one of the products which we have built there are a couple of others which are in pipeline so i want to go back to something you said building with the customer right and i've Sorry. heard you say that you know you can sell a product you can sell a service or you can sell a vision to your customers and you chose to sell that vision right i mean you went into these uh, conversations with no product in mind but really like what the future could look like and how you can enable it right seems amazing on plan right but how does it actually translate into you know if founders are listening to it how should they go about doing this building with the customer so two aspects to it so one is building with the customer the second is you know how do you sell selling like there's quite honestly three things which you can sell either you can sell your time or you can spend your time build a product and then sell that product or you can sell a vision and then you know build the product along the way selling time is linear growth you will at some point of time you know be constrained selling a product if it's a very niche product it's nice the roi is higher but over a period of time every product becomes a commodity selling a vision is then something entirely different why because you're selling a dream you're building someone else's dream and then hoping that you know it scales up now if the stars align and if you're lucky and of course like luck plays a big role and you have the right you're in the right place at the right time in the right industry with the right team so a lot of things need to align right then you can scale up you can sell that dream across multiple geographies across multiple industries and build up nice product where the roi is very very high so essentially create a value not just for yourself but also for your clients at the same time and create a value which is you know exponentially more than what you would create by selling a product right so that's what we ended up doing now selling to a client a vision the first thing which you need to sell is quite honestly yourself they need to trust you so that trust needs to be built up very very fast and it it is not an organization so it's not nuclear selling to a bank right it's always a person selling to another person so that trust needs to get built up and that trust needs to be repaid and you know maintained throughout the journey right once that is built up then you can talk about what are the problems that they are facing how can you help what is your strength and you have to be honest about your strength i would avoid overselling items 
I would avoid overselling things to people. You have to be honest about what your strengths are, what your strengths, uh, what you're, what you're not good at, right? So there are quite a few things, quite a few products which we don't, we have not built, but we incorporate in our products, and you know, we go to the client along with those names, along with those names of those startups. That you know, this is something which we will purchase from this startup. and you know plug it into our product and then give it to you so we need to know what we are good at and there's again no point in reinventing the wheel also across a lot of products uh, it's easier to you know integrate those products and deliver a solution to your customers so it's not easy it takes a long long time the sales cycle specifically when you are selling a vision uh, easily takes a year the strength is in you know persisting through that year a lot of times i also get this question that how do you sell to a bank it just takes a long time mm. and startups don't have that patience right a lot of times i get this question that how do you how are you patient enough across so many conversations over such a long period of time and where you are not even sure that the sale will happen or not you know there is a very good chance that it might not happen again it's a matter of you know persevering through it internalizing the fact that a no is not never it's just not now right so if you are sure about the problem which you are solving at some point of time like every bank is on a different journey as well right so at some point of time they will realize that this is a problem that they need to solve mm-hmm. and it's not that whatever problem you are solving that is the most important problem with the bank which the banker is solving so they will have a list of their own problems which they are solving so you have to appreciate that as well and then accordingly continue the communication channels our longest sales cycle with the bank was nearly 2 years mm. but we persisted through it right so we can in, in between i think three people at the bank changed so we had to again start from the scratch describe the product which we are building but eventually we converted the account so that's what is required you have to persevere uh, you have to again luck definitely plays a role but you have to you know believe in yourself and continue to you know communicate with them explain to them and hope that yes ultimately something will happen oh that's amazing right so you know you can paint a compelling vision to your enterprise client right but then getting them to deploy soon enough and getting them to move on something that may not be imminent urgent business as usual that's usually a challenge right which is why we see the long sales cycle as well anything that has worked for you in terms of you know getting people to adopt solutions very quickly like have you gone and sold them like a point solution or you know have you how do you choose the stakeholder that you sell to so on and so forth choosing the stakeholders also it's very easy to say that go top down right it's very easy to say but very very difficult to execute when no one knows you it's very difficult to go top down i mean you can get lucky a few times but mm. it's not scalable right this gets this also gets built over a period of time so uh, as i said like we have invested in a lot of these relationships which are strategic in nature right so whether it is a mastercard or whether it is a microsoft we leverage those relationships when we are confident that we can deliver value to a particular client and then these organizations also believe that yes we can deliver that value and therefore then we go top down and that's where decisions get taken faster because if you don't go to people who are going to take the actual decisions then it will you know it's a cycle it will go through various hoops and then eventually you will reach a person who is going to take a decision but as i said like we also need to appreciate as startup operators that we are in a lot of hurry right we are chasing growth we are, we want to execute tomorrow we want to execute everything in this month we want to sign up 10 banks in 3 weeks etc etc but at the same time you also need to appreciate that they are big organizations and they have their own challenges and they have their own priorities and once we understand those priorities 
then we appreciate it more why it takes them so much time it's not easy for a bank to take a decision after one meeting and then execute there are processes in place and they are in place for a reason not without a reason so they are and i've seen i have myself cribbed about a lot of banking processes in the past but it took me some while to understand why those processes are important and once i understood them then i realized that yes if i also have to build a big business i need to respect these processes and eventually also build some of these processes within nuclei so as startups we need to appreciate that and give due time required on the bank side to take that decision sometimes it varies from bank to bank because they are also on different paths they are also on a different journey individually some banks take very fast decisions some banks take some time to take that decision but ultimately if you are building a business for the long run if you have a 7 8 years horizon then how does it matter if one client converts in first year the other client converts in third year the other third client converts in fifth year right it does not really matter to make sure that you are growing at a fast pace just have a wide top of the funnel that's it so why do the top of the funnel the faster the conversion or actually the number of customers who will convert will be higher that's it right and also price your solution in a way that merits that gestation period right for the sales cycle itself correct, so correct, correct. yeah i mean it's spot on right i mean as startup folks i mean we are very innovation driven we see something cool we see something obviously innovative and we like quickly adopt it right because for us yeah. i mean it's a matter of a few clicks and hey we have nothing to lose right but then for banks right trust is such a huge issue and at the end of the day when you're selling to a bank i mean you're really selling to one person within that bank right i mean you're not selling to an institution so you yeah. have to really empathize with that person's life and you know what he or she wants wants to do right so so yes. yeah great point on that note what are some nuances that people should know about selling and building for banks one thing which again i think a bit harsh from a lot of startups and from a lot of external organizations towards bank is that the it it team or the tech team of the bank takes a lot of time but having seen the tech teams across banks right and having seen the challenges that they have to face not just externally mm. but also internally and from the regulator and the pressure they are under now i empathize with them a lot more yeah. right so a lot of times we feel that we could have done certain integrations faster if these or one or the other thing could have been done but now knowing the kind of pressure a lot of tech teams at the banks are under and they have to follow a lot of you know requirements from the regulators as well as internal operations which are which are required in a certain way it takes them genuinely a good amount of time to cover all of those aspects it is important for them to take it in a or build it in a way so that there are no long term repercussions mm-hmm. so i'm not saying they can't improve i'm just saying that you know people can have more empathy with them seen a lot of hard burn across uh, multiple companies that you know that's taking more time etc etc but again definitely it can be improved but it's also for good reason and a lot of times we don't have complete picture of it and that's why we are unable to empathize with it. right just the the mandate for it teams it's so broad right i mean I, yeah. it just boggles my mind i mean yeah. everything from uh, infra and security to hardware and pcs and software and what not right and yeah. just keeping on track of all of this all of these things and and also it's a very thankless job right i mean you know if your systems are down for a day you're screwed 
right i mean and that's your first priority first order of business to keep things running to keep the lights on right and and yeah. then yeah. Yeah. you know all of the innovation and stuff one of the unique things of running a saas business especially when you are selling to a particular industry is the fact that you need to have domain knowledge and you need to sort of verticalize right in order for you to be really relevant to your end customer you have had a stint in investment banking but i wonder you know how are you building that within your team right all of this vertical knowledge and stuff how how do you give context to your team in terms of how banks operate and you know what they are building for what is the outcome of the code they write etc that's not just my job that is the team's job to do right so right. we are very very constantly pushing the team and very very focused on self learning so it's not that people need to learn about banks by doing a degree or doing certain course of right it, it's, it's all about self learning and that's when you realize that's when you are when you are curious about how something works that's when you realize and go after it and find the real reason and understand the basics of it right so cliche word but thinking from first principle right so understanding how a bank works how they make money why having a digital front is important for them why having a digital interface is important for them listening and reading through a lot of different opinions and then you know coming up with our own opinion about how a certain thing should work from a bank's perspective or for a bank's customer is something which internally we do across the board so it's not just my job or the founder's job or the product team's job it is everyone's job including the tech team or the sales or finance everyone right so that's when we will understand <clears throat> how our clients are working and only then we will be able to empathize with them so very simple thing like uh, the re- reconciliation team of a bank right again one of those thankless jobs where uh, if you do something wrong everyone goes after you but on a daily basis when you are doing something which is so complex but no one really really worries about it when our finance team is now interacting with the reconciliation teams of uh, so many banks they can now empathize with them that how difficult their job is and if they don't empathize with them there there won't be any relationship right so it won't be a working relationship so it is important for them to understand how a bank's recon works why it is complex and once you understand what the other person is doing it's very easy to build trust it's very easy to understand each other and have a good working relationship so that's something which is across the board everyone has to do it i keep saying this internally that nuclear is not going to be built by one or two people right it's going to be built by the complete team and that was one of the reasons why we took the decision of diluting 25% of our equity and then keeping it aside as a pool for the team instead of generally speaking 10% pool right so uh, because we know that it's not something which we alone can achieve it's a collective effort everyone has to work hard and when everyone is working hard they need to be rewarded for that their skin needs to be in the game and therefore over a period of time whatever value we create needs to get distributed in the team right 2020 was kind of an outlier year right i mean to say the least but one of the things that i have been like really amazed by is how banks and all of these large institutions have continued to function right without any chaos at least i mean it's not visible to us how have you seen banks change uh, post 2020 and you know how has your interaction with the bank itself been affected by all of this it's been difficult for bankers to say the least like i i know so many bankers who got impacted with covid not just them right because of them their families also so it becomes exponentially more difficult yeah. to i mean i can't even think the emotional or the psychology behind it when they start thinking that their family is getting impacted because of their job right, right. so the emotional roller coaster you go through is something which is very very unimaginable and 
lot of bankers uh, across the country have gone across the globe have gone through this it was extremely difficult for them for the bankers to work through the pandemic it's not difficult for all the tech companies why right? because they seamlessly went and you know worked from home so we worry about small problems as tech companies but for bankers it has been an extremely difficult period from a thought process or from a planning perspective at least for the first 6 months after the lockdown uh, since like maybe between say march and august september a lot of bankers were you know focused on making sure that everything is running as smoothly as possible because uh, they were also getting disrupt- disrupted I, i know quite a few bank headquarters which were quarantine for 3 weeks or 4 weeks because there were just lot of cases in the building and then they had to again restart and make sure that everything is working properly uh, remotely etc but i think over the end of 2020 is when people started thinking i mean people had tried thinking but also started executing that now the way we know banks operating from a physical infrastructure perspective that is probably going to change for good and digital will which already was a focus for banks but now needs to be even more going forward and that's i think is a mindset change which has come across the globe and to be honest not just banks that is true for i think across all the industries that people have now started focusing a lot more on infrastructure a lot more on digital interfaces a lot more on digital customer experience and i think that will only result in making sure that the customer experience becomes a low touch point experience every service or product which is being delivered from the bank's perspective becomes more self service in nature and also it will require customers also to graduate themselves in a lot of cases from branches to Uh, say a mobile banking app or internet banking yeah everything that nuclear does has become that much more important right now given the digital adoption and the fact that it is not simply an enabler it's the way to do business correct at this point correct. of time correct. so correct. i want to shift our gaze towards nuclear as a startup itself right i mean um, you guys have been in the market for about 3 years what are some of the high level challenges that you are solving right now as a founder see Uh, different challenges with, i mean as as time progresses different challenges become the focus right now my core focus is on building the right team but then going forward the second focus and i'm i'm speaking only from a nucleus perspective right not from a product perspective or or problems our products are solving so from nucleus perspective just two focus areas right now is first is to build a team second is to grow geographically uh, and become horizontal and also horizontally through multiple industries so these are the two core focus areas for us for the next 12 odd months from a client perspective right so the problems which our products are solving and i probably touched upon it uh, before as well post the pandemic the complete relationship between an institution and its customers whether it is a bank and their customers or a telco and their customers will shift more away from the physical nature to a digital nature and query will be that how do we increase our revenue or the lifetime value of a customer over a period of time and not just from the core services which a bank or a telco offers but also from other services and products which can be integrated into the system and that will essentially leverage the distribution of the banks and the telcos and make sure that they are generating more revenue from the same customer at a broad level that is our focus right we want to help build products for banks and telcos which helps them increase their revenue per customer or products per customer and make sure that the lifetime value of the customer increases this is them just leveraging their distribution and increasing their revenue 
right? So let's speak a little bit about your go-to-market motion, right? You're based out of India, but uh, as I've heard before, you're also selling to banks in Southeast Asia and also Middle East, right? So so what is the thought process and you know how do you go about it? Can you just take us through a one-on-one? So again, that is something which we are still figuring out. We have not figured it out completely, but one thing is sure, uh, we realized it over the last year or so is that selling remotely and specifically when you are selling a high ticket item, right? Selling that remotely is very, very difficult. It's tough. So it, it is tough. So we have been lucky a few times uh, where we have sold high ticket items to institutions without having physically met but in the last year or so, it was still understood, right? Going forward, now that a lot of people are getting vaccinated, I think it will be faster if we go and you know be based out of those geographies and physically meet as much as possible or as much as required and build that trust and then sell those items. So, so whether it is Southeast Asia or Middle East or Europe, right? So we have to be physically present there and sell them. And that's the plan forward as well, that our teams will be based out of it if not all the teams, at least the sales team will be present out of these geographies and selling to banks and telcos. Right. So as we approach the end of the podcast, I want to know what are you optimistic for going forward from where you are operating right now, right? Which is selling to banks as a founder of a fintech company. So what are you most optimistic for going forward? So I'm very, very optimistic about my team to start with, right? So I think we have a good bunch of people uh, we have brought together we obviously want to add more good people to the team and build a very very strong team which can build sustainable business right so we are not looking we are not looking to exit the business that that, that is not the idea with which we even started the business right so we are not looking to exit the business we are looking to make a lot of profit and then grow the business gradually over the next seven eight years and grow it to a sizable number from a bank's perspective i'm very bullish because there is just so much opportunity available for banks to leverage and grow their business across the markets, right? So that's something which I believe on the digital front, they have just scratched the surface. Any country or across the globe, if you look at the users or customers, uh, primarily everyone focuses on digital natives and let's say the millennials, right? But they are also not a single persona. They are also divided into multiple different personas. In India itself, probably you will have 500 different personas, right? Mm -hmm. Banks may not necessarily focus on, say, top five or top one percentile of the persona, but the remaining 99% of the persona who are not digital natives, who are yet to onboard, but can add a lot of value to the banks is something that needs to be targeted and looked at. That's a huge market to go after. And not just India, as I said, like it's across the globe, that's the same scenario. That there are just so many personas who are still not leveraged from a digital perspective, those are the opportunities which we feel we can help the banks optimize. We feel we can help the banks make their digital interaction or digital interface with the customers more efficient and more rewarding. Just because it's such a huge market where we have just crashed the top till now, I think there is a lot of opportunity, a lot of value to be created for everyone involved. Right. One thing is for sure, I think banks will look a lot different five or 10 years uh, from now, right? I mean, 10 or 15 years back, everyone predicted that fintech will sort of kill banking. We were all, I think, very foolhardy and very optimistic on that front, but they've done a remarkable job of staying relevant and they've proven why they are uh, Lindy, right? I mean, in some sense, because they've survived yeah. for centuries and I'm really excited for, you know, what these new forms of banking and everything will look like going into the future. One thing is I can't not ask you this question, right? So if four friends are sitting in a bar or a restaurant and discussing, you know, hey, you know what, we should probably start a restaurant of our own, right? And uh, uh -huh. like most tech janta will have this bright idea anyway, right? So 
what is what are one or two things that they have no idea about and they're going to get gobsmacked uh, as soon as they step into the restaurant business i will tell you about all our experience right like what we did not think through what we were surprised with when you're sitting in a restaurant and eating food you only look at the cost of goods so you look at cogs uh, this is for 5 rupees they're selling it for 50 45 rupees margin like this is the easiest way to become a millionaire from the outside this looks like a very very savvy business a very very interesting business but people don't understand i mean again like this is before you go deeper into the business model right and that it's quite honestly true for every business model so from the outside every business model looks very easy it seems that they are minting money without putting in the effort specifically in the restaurant case when you go deeper you realize that scaling the business getting the right location is one uh, requires extreme luck two is expensive okay mm-hmm. that amount is a fixed cost that's not a, a variable cost that's a fixed cost which goes running that entity requires a certain number of people that again is a fixed cost and that's a fixed cost which goes every month right so you have to earn enough to first recover that fixed cost and only then you start making some money no business is easy uh, it seems that bank uh, restaurants have a lot of margin that's not true that's honestly not true i mean it might be true for certain outliers but most of the restaurants it's not true and if you look at any nice area in a city whether it is say kormangla or whether it is in delhi or bombay where there are a lot of restaurants observe what has happened in the last 3 years a lot of restaurants would have opened and shut down people don't see that people only look at the survivors and feel that yeah this is like these guys are minting money and i will be a survivor any business requires perseverance uh, if anyone has that perseverance it's not a bad business to do but it's a extremely difficult business to manage yeah no i had a friend of mine a very good friend who started up a couple of restaurants and i've gotten to observe things from very close quarters and to me it seems like a numbers business right more than a food business yeah. because i mean you yeah. have to have a fair handle of that and you're right i mean there's humongous uh, churn in that uh, business right i mean we yeah. only see the ones that have survived and that's a bit of a bias so it looks good but it's a very competitive business so ankur before we bid goodbye any books and podcasts that you would recommend to our listeners absolutely books jonathan livingston seagull one of my favorite books poor charlie zelmanak again an amazing book to read guide to a good life stoicism i think that's also a very very good book i i have personally learned a lot of things in and around stoicism yeah those through so those three books are i mean there are many more but like these three books uh, i will recommend from a podcast perspective i think invest like the best uh, by patrick yeah. o'shaughnessy i think that's a good podcast yeah apart from that there are quite a quite a few podcast episodes which i like for example so we, we internally also we have decided to you know along with our book club we have also decided to merge it with the podcast club so we'll pick up a podcast and discuss that and we'll probably do this uh, open it up for everyone else not just keep it internal right so uh, next week onwards i think we are discussing uh, the podcast of josh wolf again in invest with the best and that that's a crazy podcast episode right so everyone should hear that even all the podcasts which nawal ravikant does uh, yeah. they are also quite amazing like he's he's a modern day philosopher a lot of things to learn from him uh, specifically how to lead a good life right so that that's something which uh, definitely we all can learn and today being an independence day in fact i was just going to tweet about this that i was thinking about freedom and that's one of the objectives which we uh, 
internally want to achieve uh, quite a few people right so that freedom to take certain decisions freedom from doing certain things and not just from a time perspective right also from a mental space perspective uh, a lot of times people take decision out of fear and fear is a very very strong emotion so mm-hmm. people are obviously afraid of death or afraid of getting hurt right so that fear is a very good motivator to do certain things certain way there is also a fear of missing out right so for example nuclear not raising funds uh, is a fomo for us right so it could be a fomo for us it could be a fear that everyone else is raising tens of millions of dollars we are not and uh, a lot of times question might come in my mind or in you know people who are working at nuclear their mind that why are we not you know, raising funds it it could again be a fear of missing out so the trick is in not allowing others to control your emotions uh, it is in you know always being in your own control uh, extremely easy to say <laughs> very very difficult to do right but that's where true freedom is achieved so uh, if we have most of the things under our control or at least all the items or all the variables which we can control if we have those in our control that's a very good place to be in on an independence day so yeah yeah that's a great note to end the podcast on uh, uncle thank you so much uh, for the insights i had a great time talking to you uh, understanding various nuances of you know how to build and sell for banks so thank you so much and look forward to talking to you again thank you so much thank you for having me uh, it was a pleasure speaking with you and uh, absolutely would love to be here again thank you so much for listening if you liked this episode then don't forget to subscribe to us on your favorite platform and share this episode with all of your fellow startup operators Also follow the startup operator on LinkedIn and Twitter for more updates. Stay safe, take care and see you soon on a brand new episode of the startup operator.